Come on, let's celebrate Victor's story. To me, that's what it's all about. That's why we're here today, to celebrate a risen Savior who himself said he'd leave the 99 just to find the one that was going through a hard time. And I like to imagine that if I was the only one or if you were the only one, that he would have gone through that painful day for us as individuals. He would have expressed his unconditional love just for each one of us. And I just love Victor's story. It's such a beautiful story because it's our story. It's each one of us at some point in our lives. We went through challenges and frustrations and hard times and good times and highs and lows. And there was a moment where the love of God was real to him and it was real to us. And so today I just want to honor a life that was changed because it's a story that's our story. Can one more time, can we just celebrate Victor? Thank you for sharing your story. I also just want to say a big hello. Many of you know that uh, we have lots of families that serve in the military who attend our church, both here in person and online. And one of our very own kind of unexpectedly was shifted off to the Middle East just a few weeks ago, had to leave family behind. And I know that he's watching this weekend. Chris, we love you. We love the Marines. We love what God's doing in your life and your family. I want you to know that we're holding down the fort here. Church, can we say hi to Chris? Come on overseas right now, worshiping with us. Thanks for joining us. Couldn't be prouder, right? Couldn't be prouder of the men and women who serve our country and exemplified the sacrifice that Jesus made himself for us, the willingness to lay down their lives for someone else. The Bible says no greater love has any person than someone who's willing to say, you know what, I'll sacrifice for you. And so today, if you see someone who's serving and maybe their loved ones somewhere else, I want you to give them an extra hug. I want you to be a friend to them because their kids need us in this season, their family family needs us. Amen, everybody. And so today, as we remember the resurrection of Jesus, I think it's kind of one of these unique days. It seems to be one of those days that whether you're a follower of Christ or whether you're kind of interested or kicking the tires, that all of the world focuses our attention on the most powerful and I would say the most pivotal moment in history. Do you realize that everything changed when Jesus walked this earth? Literally, our calendar has changed. Everything about our society is wrapped around this most powerful and pivotal moment in history. I do think that for many of us, though, it's just kind of another holiday. That's kind of how I grew up. I love the Easter candy. I love Reese's peanut butter cups. Anybody, come on, anybody a Reese's peanut cup fan, right? My mom literally today heard me talking about this and brought me a giant bag. I love you, mom. Thank you for doing that for me. For many of us, it's just one of those kinds of holidays, and especially here in South Louisiana, we love a good old-fashioned crawfish boil in this season. How how many of y'all would be honest with me and wave a hand and say, you got a little garlic and crawfish smell going on right now. Come on, wave those hands at me right now. Your whole section is wondering what happened to you. We know, we know what you did this weekend. There's lots of things like that that make the holiday fun. It makes it a holiday. But I do think that the reason we come together for an hour or so is to pause all of those other things, all those, I would say, even distractions, and to reflect on the power of this particular day. And the question for each one of us is if you had experienced the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, if you had experienced it, If it was playing out on your Twitter feed or your Instagram or your Facebook as as what is happening today, that you were literally watching this happen, 
The question of the today is, how would you have responded? What would have been your response to seeing someone lay down their life for you? To help us dive a little bit deeper, I want to take you to one of the historical accounts. We showed you one earlier in the worship service. I want to show you in Luke chapter 23, and I want to read with you a lengthy passage. So get ready if you're online or even in the room, you'll be able to read along on screen. But I think it's important to come back to the real and provable history. Luke chapter 23 and verse 23, verse 26, it says, as, as they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. And the soldiers seized him. And they put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Pause for just a moment. Can you imagine if you were that guy, Simon? You're just coming into New Orleans for a good snowball, everybody. And there happened to be something crazy going on. The whole city was in an uproar. And they grab you as the one. The story goes on to say that a large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. And when they came to a place called the skull, Golgotha, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals, the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, would you read these words out loud? Come on, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. In his greatest moment of pain, he was still thinking about our forgiveness. The soldiers didn't recognize what was going on, so they gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. And the crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. And the soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And a sign was put above his head as a mockery. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah? Like you're the one that we've been talking about? Prove it by saving yourself and us too. By this time, it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock, middle of the day, full eclipse, everything changed. The light from the sun was gone and suddenly a curtain, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. And then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. With those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what happened, he worshiped God and said, surely this man didn't deserve this. Surely he was innocent. I want you to notice, notice with me how amazingly detailed this account is. And I want you to notice all the different people that were in the scene, from Simon, who was thrust into carrying his cross, to the grief-stricken women who were following behind him, to the people who were like unsure of what was happening. It's kind of amazing to me to see how the crowd denied his very existence. He can't be who he said he was. And some of the people in that crowd were people like you and me, who had witnessed miracles of healing and life change. But when push came to shove, 
And the governor said, do you want Barabbas or Jesus? The historical account tells us that the crowd denied that he was the Messiah and said, we'll take Barabbas. We'll take the insurrectionist over Jesus because we don't know what's going to happen. If you place yourself in the middle of the story, where would you have landed? See, the crowd denied who he was. He doesn't, he's not, don't believe in him. It's even amazing that the criminals sitting next to him doubted who he was. But another of the historical accounts says one criminal scoffed and made a mockery, but the other who was dying with him expressed faith. Isn't it amazing to me that, that in our greatest moments of doubt, that there are still people and reasons to express faith? Anybody here been, been following Jesus for just a minute or so? Come on. Anybody here been following just for a few minutes? We've, some, so many of us grew up in religious environments. Isn't it funny, though, that as you follow Christ, that there are times that you have doubts? Can I be really frank with you today? As your pastor, I, I still have days where I have some doubts. I still have days that I have struggles. There are days when I see certain painful situations, and I got all kinds of why questions. But can I tell you, in those moments of doubt, I find myself leaning closer to God rather than farther away from him. I also find it pretty amusing in our culture, the questions that kids have for God. Do you remember maybe going to Sunday school when you were a kid and we asked some kids to give us some of their questions for God. And I thought since this is such a, a celebratory day, I'd read you a few of them. Here's one from Jenny. Jenny said, dear God, would you please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter? There's nothing good in there now. I say, Jenny, you're not from New Orleans because we know how to party all the time around here, right? Sam said, dear God, can I be just like my daddy? But when I get big with not so much hair, <laughs> dear God, are you a ninja? Is that why I can't see you? Dear God, if you let the dinosaur not extinct, we would not have a country. You did the right thing. <laughs> Dear God, we read that Thomas Edison made light, but in Sunday school, they said you did it. So he stole your idea. <laughs> I'm with Sarah on this one. Dear God, can you please change the taste of asparagus? It's grass. Dear God, did you mean for a giraffe to look like that or was it an accident? <laughs> Me and Norma would have that in common. I think when God was sketching the giraffe, his hand slipped and the neck got real big, right? And the people in manufacturing said, he did it. We got to make it, okay? And so now we've got this weird animal walking around. Have you ever seen a giraffe in real life? All right. Here's my favorite. Dear God, will dogs go to heaven? Pastor Josh said, cats won't make it in. <laughs> It's kind of an inside joke. I don't love cats, okay? Uh, but I'm a dog fan. Dogs are going to heaven, all right? Listen, listen, listen. I think it's crazy, the questions we have. But I also think that God's answers to our toughest questions are better than the deniers and the doubters. As I talk with so many people, it really comes down to having one of two choices. You either believe that you and I are cosmic accidents that there was this, this big bang that's almost an impossibility in the world to mathematically equate that it would happen unless there is a God. 
And I even on the amusing side think that, that all of us, when we look to the left and to the right, think it's some sort of accident that all of our noses landed in the same place. Albeit some of us are blessed with larger ones than others, right? It's amazing to me that we lean into that idea. And when I find someone who's just doubled down, I find them often. They say, you know, I just believe that none of this, my truth, my truth says that we're an accident. And when I say, they say that to me, I lean in, I say, oh my gosh, I admire your faith. Because the faith that it takes to believe that all of this happened by accident is a greater faith than it takes to look around and see all of the genius and all of the intentionality and say, there must have been a God who planned all of this. Some deny, some doubt, and I think it's okay to have doubts. Where do you go with your doubts? What do you do with them? I find it kind of amazing that I have doubts about the economy. I have doubts about what our government is doing with money. But I'm sure making it and spending it. Amen, everybody? Like, I'm, I'm not afraid of that. I have doubts about what they do with our food. You got any doubts about what they put in some of those things? But I'm still eating that snowball after service today. We have doubts in so many environments, and we engage. But when we have doubts about God, why do we withdraw? Why do we say, I don't know? Today, what I would say is, on that day, there were some who denied. There were some who doubted. But there were some who were devoted to him. Let's continue the story. Luke chapter 23 and verse 50. It said, now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish high council, but he had not agreed with the decision and actions of the other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. And he went to Pilate and he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took down the, bo the body down from the cross and he wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of the rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation as the Sabbath was about to begin. But early, somebody say those two words with me, come on. But early, but early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb and taking the spices they had prepared, they found that the stone had been rolled away. It had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of our Lord Jesus. They didn't find him there. And as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. And the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, why? Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He, come on, say it with me. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And that he would rise again on the third day. And then they remembered. Hey, hey, Mary, do you remember? Do you remember Martha? Do you remember what he said that he was going to do this? And so they rushed back from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples. They wanted everyone else to know what had happened there. Today in our world, most people fall into one of three places. They deny his existence, can't be the Messiah, can't be who he said he is. And I would just simply say history isn't on your side, unfortunately. As you dive into any historical account, you'll find he lived, he breathed, he laid down his life. And even people who weren't followers said 
that this man they called Jesus the Christ existed and did miracles and changed lives. There are deniers in the world and there are certainly still doubters in the world. Today, no matter where you are, you can choose to become devoted and you can choose to change the trajectory of your life. And the beauty of what Jesus offers is that he gives deniers and doubters a chance to become devoted. No matter where you've been in your journey, think of the Roman officer who was there witnessing his crucifixion. Instead of looking at that situation and saying he deserved it, the Bible says that he worshiped and in a moment he became devoted to God. What a beautiful picture. I don't know about your past, but I've got one. I've got some days that I don't want played out on the big screen. How about you? I've got some moments that I really don't want to I don't want anybody to ever see that I said or that I did. The beauty of Resurrection Sunday is that no matter where you're at in the journey, today's the day you can become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. If you had experienced the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, how would you have responded? How would you have responded and today, as we prepare to close, I just want to say to you that I want to respond with devotion. I definitely don't want to be a denier. How about you? I definitely want to be a person that on my doubtful days, I still run to him. I've decided that the goal of my life is just to devote myself to Jesus. So how would you know if you're devoted or not. Can I give you three things very quickly? How would you know if you've actually become one of those who's devoted to Christ? Here's the first thing, how you would know. You acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ. You acknowledge publicly that he is the son of God and savior of the world. So much is going on in our world, so much excitement, so much partying, so much music, but there's this kind of mindset that, that you know what, we need to simmer down a little bit about Jesus. Can I just tell you, I'm not simmering down about Jesus, right? I refuse to give a football game more glory than the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Can I get an amen in the room, right? I just think it's okay. And so we have to acknowledge him. And we need to understand that when they said he was Jesus Christ, Christ wasn't his last name, y'all. Christ is a title. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And what happened that day when the Roman officer saw him nailed to the cross is that he realized that he was face to face with someone that was different than he ever expected. And his response was worship. You may say, well, well, pastor, I, you know, I'm not into that clapping or lifting hands and I can't sing like Brittany and the team. Come on. Can we give it up for the worship team? Come on. Yeah, what a great job. Right? I can't do that. Worship isn't just clapping and singing. Worship is what you give worth to. And so if you give greater worth to your job or your spouse or your friend or something else other than God, you've elevated them and you value them greater than God. When you acknowledge who he is, you're showing your devotion. 
People say, hey, what are you doing on this Sunday? Listen, don't let it just be Easter Sunday that you say, you know what? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I think some of you guys, what you need more than ever is a little, come on, start moving those toes in church a little bit. I think some of you, you're so stiff in the idea of worshiping God that you made him out to be boring and humdrum and oh no, gotta go. No, no, we get to go to heaven, y'all. We get to be Christians. We get to have hope. We get to be free from addiction. We get to live this life. The first thing you do to acknowledge your devotion is you acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ. Here's the second. In the moments of doubt, in your moments, moments of weakness, I want you just simply to believe and trust in God. Just choose to believe in him because you'll never understand it all. Listen, you'll never understand it all. That's why they call it faith. Listen, if you could understand it all, you might be God. And if I could understand, I might be God. And can I tell you, we're living in a dangerous world if I'm God. So I'm not nearly as gracious as he is. I think today what I want to say to you about doubt is just simply this. You're waiting for the moment where you won't have any. It's not going to happen. This is a journey of faith. And so when you're faced with doubt, believe and trust in him. That's what Joseph of Arimathea did. The story we just read said that he didn't agree with his crucifixion. And at the crucifixion, he could have ran the other way like many others. But instead, he risked his reputation And he went to the high council and said, hey, I didn't like what we did there. Can I take him down? Can I bury him in my tomb? He was willing to invest his time, his talent, and his treasure because though he didn't understand what was happening in that moment, he decided to believe and trust. Listen, I don't know. I don't know about the wars and rumors of wars that are going on. I just decided to believe and trust. I've just decided that having hope is better than not having hope. And so I'm going to lean into this. I'm going to believe and trust. So we acknowledge Jesus. We believe and trust. And number three, we devote our lives to his purpose. You just simply say, hey, why are you here? Why are you still sucking air? I'm here to tell the world that Jesus is the Christ. Amen, everybody. I'm here to believe and trust in him because our lives are just a moment. They're fleeting. In light of eternity, it's just a moment. And what will you do with your life but live for his glory? I think of the women in the story who kept coming back, who kept coming back, who were consistent, who were constantly seeking God. As we were beginning service today, I was talking with some of the ladies in the back. They hold down the, the rear section over here, Miss Ann and the crew and the family. And I said, Miss Ann, it's going to be a day today. Are you ready? Are you ready? And I said, Miss Ann, God has you here, still here for a reason. Miss Ann, you've been facing some physical challenges, I know, but God has you here so that this block will know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, Savior of the world, right? And can I tell you what, that, that section worships better than this section, right? Y'all need to catch up with Miss Ann. So the question today, How will you respond? I refuse to deny him any longer. 
and I'm taking my doubts to him. And when asked what I'm doing in my life, I've simply said I'm a devoted follower. Today, if that's you, I want to help you to get back to being a devoted follower. It's not about church attendance. It's not about checking certain legalistic boxes. It's about worship. It's about pouring out your heart to him again. And so as we close, just for a moment, would you grab that little card we gave you on the way in? Just stay in an attitude of worship. Please don't move around too much. Just grab the card. I'm asking every single one of you on this Resurrection Sunday to simply respond to this question very honestly with your eyes wide open, with your heart prepared. Today, I'm going to ask you to make a decision and really just tell us where you are in your faith. Today, if you have an active relationship with Jesus Christ, you say, Pastor, I came here because I knew this was going to be the party. And I came here because I need to declare to the world that I'm a believer. I want you to just reach down and check A right on there. Say, I have A, I have an active I have an active relationship with Jesus. It's real. There may be some of you here because of the culture of denying, because of the culture of doubt, you've walked away or you've struggled. And today if you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor, I need to check B because I'm beginning. I'm beginning again. I've kind of, I find myself farther from God than I want to be and I'm ready to come back home. I'm ready to begin again. The beauty of the gospel is God takes deniers and doubters and in a moment he gives you the ability to become a devoted follower. All you have to do is make a decision. That's you. I couldn't be prouder. You're here today online or in the room and say, Pastor, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm just not ready. I need to consider this a little bit longer. Would you check C? Well, just be bold. Say, I need, I need some time. I'm going to pray for you. And if you're here today and you were kind of drugged into the room and you say, I don't ever intend to do this, be bold. Be honest. I will say to you, the Bible tells us that one day we're going to stand before God. And if you don't ever intend to make this decision, that's okay. We love you. You are welcome here. And I will pray for you. I'll pray that one day your heart may open to what God would do. All around this room, after checking your box, would you bow your heads with me at at home or online? Would you bow every head and close every eye just for a moment? If you checked me, would you simply whisper this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name.